Wow, spoilers. There you go. Clip that. Me? I won't. Welcome to the Comics Corner, everybody. I am John. I am your host for this evening. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And today we have sound guru extraordinaire, composer, lyricist, brilliant human being, and all-around cool dude, Josh Wilson. Wow, wow, we wow. What an introduction. <laughs> I am just going, every, I, every week I'm going for a more and more flowery introduction. So. Okay. I like trying. that. Pretty soon, the introductions themselves will be like ten minutes long. Look, I'm pretty sure that's just how we're going. Content do is it. content. There you go. Absolutely. Um, so today we are going to be doing something a little different. Um, so Josh has introduced me, reintroduced me, reintroduced me to the lovely world of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and so today we are going to be discussing um, a comic based on the Dungeons and Dragons show, streaming show, show, streaming show, show? just show. show. I show. think, I guess, why not? <laughs> uh, the show Critical Role, and today we are going to be discussing the Mighty Nine Origins Jester Lavor. Um, so it is written by Sam Maggs, who's a comic writer, um, with Laura Bailey and Matthew Mercer. Um, Matthew Mercer is the dungeon master of Critical Role. Laura Bailey is one of the uh, actors on Critical Role. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, put out by Dark Horse Press. Um, and so, this is a little bit different um, than anything yeah. that we've discussed before, isn't it? I'd say it's. I mean, it falls into line with the stuff that we've done, but it is. Yeah, I would say it's it's different enough. I mean, it's only one issue. I uh, it's a it's a quick uh I think it's 60 pages, but like that's really like 32 in comic land because of the spreads. Yeah. Um and it yeah, it's very different. It's not like superhero based. I mean, I guess you could I guess you could call Dungeons and Dragons characters superheroes. I think you could. But I mean, for me, it's different because this is the first time that we have talked about, we've, we've talked about things, books that have been turned into movies or TV shows or pop culture. Right. But this right. is kind of the first time we've talked about something that has been pop culture that has been turned into a comic. Right. Um, which leads to a larger question that I want to get in later. Um uh, but I do want to start out. Spoiler alert is in effect as per usual. I love how I that. say every time and they're like, oh, Josh will put the spoiler horn in at the beginning. There's no spoiler horn. There never has been. I'll never put one in. It's just going Maybe one day. Wow. Spoilers. <laughs> there you go. Clip that. Um, Me? Yes. I won't. <laughs> 
So this is the origin of Jester Lavore um, as created and voiced by Laura Bailey, um, acted by Laura Bailey, and again, Matthew Mercer, the Dungeon Master. So, uh, you know, backstory stuff. I don't know what's coming from where, what's Matt's brain, what's Laura's brain. Did they synergistically work together? I have no idea. Right. Um, but uh, the first thing that I want to say, uh, the second thing that I want to say is the art is by Hunter Severin Bonian. Um, and I think the art is really lovely. This is maybe one of the best looking comics I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a very, very pretty book. Yeah. Um, and I love, this is actually also, is this, I think this might be technically the first fantasy book we've ever done. We've done things that have had magic. We talked about books of magic, books of magic, the books of magic. Yeah. Um, um, would you count Fable a thousand and one nights? Um, possibly. I mean, it sort of goes. Yeah, I guess maybe I could. We're always I've real close it. to fantasy, and fantasy is kind of a funky genre. And that, like, it really. I I once had a somebody explain to me. I think it was like a professor or something that drew the whole drew out the whole thing of like fantasy versus sci fi versus horror. And what those three are. And they're so close. They all share like two or three characteristics out of like their five characteristics that like we're always so close to one or the other. Yeah. And I think that's the reason that people mix the genres so often is because it, it, you just sort of have to. They are, they do overlap um, a lot, a lot. Um, but um, I'm going to, I want to start with a large, a big question, which is, um, one of those questions that is probably an unfair question, um, but it's something that, uh, I think people ask themselves when they turn books into movies or movies into musicals or, uh, you know, comics into TV shows is, which is, is there something that we get out of this format that we couldn't get from another, the other format, the original format, if that makes sense? I mean, this is yeah. an origin story. It's something that we didn't get a ton of in in the critical role. Uh, this is campaign two, right? Um, but it's it's interesting to me because, and I I'm going to say something awful, but I'm going to caveat it. I don't necessarily think this is something that we got more from if that makes sense but right. i think it's a nice this is this is like the ice cream that you put on the cake the cake being critical role itself right i think this is the a nice a nice bit of ice cream on the side right i totally agree i'm i'm curious um uh, about a couple things i'd love to read the caleb widow guest the I think that one came first. Or did that one come second? Did Jester come first? I think first? that came second. Okay. Yeah. I want to read the Caleb one. And I also really want to read Kith and Kin, the Vex and Vax from campaign one novel. Yes. Because I'm, I'm interested in the topic. Because like what I think having things in graphic novel comic format um, really does for D&D in particular is it gives, D&D is not a visual medium is very theater of the mind. Like the closest you get is a battle map if you choose to do that. But D&D yeah. &D is not visual. 
per se, um, not literally. And so I think, uh, particularly in comics, it's really cool to see things so vibrantly drawn out, especially by the people who made the character. And like, you know, if you want to learn more about Jester, there's a thousand, two thousand hours worth of content that she is in that you can go fully learn about Jester. Like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, there's 141 episodes, each being roughly four and a half hours long like do the math on however long that actually is in years of your life you've taken off of that I now am doing myself of, Oh God, I've watched all of that. Um, but, um, I think this just does such a great job of showing things, especially for your non-player characters that Matt does. So like the Ruby of the sea and all of the other characters outside of Jester are played by Matt and while Matt Mercer is one of the best dungeon masters of all time and is amazing at impressions and character creation, he's just one guy. Um, and so it's so cool to see them actually divided. Like you get to physically see the Ruby of the Sea and then all the goons and all that jazz. Yeah. What I think is really interesting, um, at least to me, uh, is when, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, as I have learned most, most difficultly is difficultly. I realize that's not a word, but we're just going to get with that. Word Anything's a word if you want it to be, um, as I have doing, as I have been playing over the last year is that there's a lot of limitations in the game itself. Yeah. There's a lot of rules, there's a lot of things. And this kind of ignores that, which I find really fascinating. Right. Um, and I sort of, and I was feeling the same way when we were watching the uh, cartoon, The Legend of Vox Machina right. as well. Because you think like, oh, do you have that spell slot left? Which is something that I'm thinking as someone who is now playing D&D, &D, right. but would never have occurred to me two years ago because right. I didn't know anything about it a very detailed magic system that only really works in our world yeah it only makes sense to the people playing the game not the people in the game um it's like my favorite question i don't know if it was in a game that you and i were playing on our own time or if it was something i saw in critical role or another show but somebody was talking about how strong they are and somebody turned and was like if you were to rate your strength on a scale of one to 20, like a character in game was like, if you were to rate your strength on like one to 20, what would you, what would you say? <laughs> um, it makes no sense to um, like a character in the game. Like if you were fully immersed, like the system of the game does not make sense. Right. It's designed for the people playing it. And so when the medium transfers over to you're in the world, um, like wholeheartedly in the world you cannot be pulled out of it then yeah i mean it's my favorite thing of like uh, like when you had just mentioned we watched the legends of fox machina together the show like D, D combat is you know a turn like a turn in combat is turn based your turn is six seconds in real time mm -hmm. while you, most people take between one and five minutes to have a turn uh, depending on if you're certain players in our game or in other <laughs> taped games, it's between one and 30 minutes. Um, you, um, 
you don't realize that that's six seconds. So when you watch the show, they're just kicking ass and taking names. And you're like, oh my God, are they like, what about like deciding what you're going to do? It's like, no, you've missed that whole, like the middle section where you're rolling and like, oh my God, well, I have this spell slot. My weapon's only a plus 13. No, no, no. You're just trying to hit the thing. That's how it's really shaking out. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because um, when I'm reading this, um, as I often do, I think like, well, who is the audience for this? And one of the things that I find fascinating if somebody just goes into a comic store and picks this up, um, which hopefully they, they do. Please do. Um, is this something that is going to get people into D&D? And it's interesting because it's such a different medium and because there's no there's almost no rules to a comic because you right. can do anything that comes to your mind. You know, right. there's no real limits of the human imagination. You're not dealing with rolling a die or, you know, you're not dealing with special effects or CGI where there right. may be limitations on things. You are literally limitations on budget, especially, yeah. but you're, you're dealing with, well, we can do anything, you know, we can have, you know, the, the traveler appear in the middle of the story. We can, right. you know, jump off of a boat. We can, you know, be in a, in a forest grove one moment and then in a city the next. And you have all of these right. things. Um, so I, while I don't think it gives like, nor do I think it is intended to give like, this is what D&D is. I... I think it was is really interesting to to think about how many people this is going to let them explore more, if that makes sense. What I find interesting about it is it has the the pure heartedness of like D and D at its core is improv, long form storytelling, mm-hmm. collaboratively um, as a group. And so really what you're doing is sitting down and basically having a writer's room. Like that was what they said when they made the TV show is like, you know, you watch the first campaign, you're just watching a, a writer's room happen. And like, this yeah. is actually how a lot of shows are written nowadays is like, they all play D and D and they all do things similar to this. Like if you can gamify your writing process, you can come up with some really cool stuff. And I think this really captures that core part of it really well in that it's just a really good story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really do any world building. It benefits to know the world already. Like understanding yes. who the Ruby of the Sea is and understanding what the revelry is. Um, because nothing's particularly explained. Not in a bad way. Like there's no complex world. Like you are not fighting the environment. And so the world does not need to be explained to you that well. Um But I think what it captures really well is kind of a secondary line of thought about this of this isn't like, oh, somebody watches D&D and you see all the cool combat and like people laughing and shouting and having a a grand old time. Like that'll be you're like, oh, that looks like so much fun. This is more like, oh, this is what this game is able to produce. Like you can. Like this came from the game. Like yeah. not, I, I mean, it is not in the game explicitly, but this comic would not exist without that game. Like the Ruby of the Sea and all of Jester's backstory and the Traveler and all of that. And the way her she interacts with the Traveler are all because of what they did in the game. And because of that, the game created this story. 
and while it was fleshed out by professional writers and all of that jazz, it's more the core of it was gifted by the format of the game. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is this is very much about uh, when I, when I was reading this, I was thinking um, to go back to the earlier point of, you know, will this get people into D and D? I think this is much more about the, people tend to think of the combat aspect of D and D right. and the sort of, I take my sword and all of that. Right. This is focuses on all of that other stuff. The, the role-playing character development right. you can you can from you know from the first day of your campaign to the last day of your campaign be you know a raging barbarian totally cool really fun absolutely nothing wrong with that get to deal a lot of damage and etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. um but i think this is something i i think this is for a very i think this is built for a very specific Right. Um, fan of D and D. Yeah, I think this is actually more built, and I obviously it's built specifically for fans of Critical Role. But I think this is built for the people who have fallen in love with the storytelling aspect, with the role playing aspect, right. with the idea of you know I'm not a professional actor, and that's okay. I don't need to have you know cool voices, and right. and you know I don't need to <clears throat> come up with this hugely elaborate backstory the way an actor would when they're playing Hamlet or something right. like that. But this is something that's fun and exciting to, um, to see where did my character start from? How did I get there? Right. Yeah. I, I think this is really good for people who are into D and D already. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I would say the, not the inverse, but, because you can already be in, to, into D&D &D and like the show, but the TV show is fantastic for people who aren't into D&D. &D. It is such an open and inviting thing. As opposed to this, like this is very much just like, oh, I really love Jester as a character. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to know just a little bit more about her and watch something fun and like read words in the oh hi i'm just there in my head <laughs> which is hysterical in my head and then just hearing like matt's voice as the traveler like as i'm reading through it's um the art does like such a good job and like um yeah it's one of the best like it like i said at the beginning it's one of the best looking comics i think i've ever seen like we've we've read some really pretty ones yeah. Um, but this one, like this one might be the top. Like I, I'm leaning towards it's the very top just cause it's, I mean, when you look at like the Ruby of the sea is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, she is the greatest lay ever. Um, but, um, yeah. And what I found really interesting, like our tag in the traveler, a spoiler alert, um, <laughs> The Traveler does not look like what I expected him to look like. I don't I always imagine him of how Matt dressed as him mm -hmm. for the Halloween episode, which is just like a little bit like a trash monster with yeah. really long red hair. And that's how I always see him. And I was like, not this hot boy shit we're got, we got going on. Hey, you always need, there, there always has to be a fuck boy in every comic. Um, 
I'm like, is this Peter Pan? Yes. Like, did we? Is that what yes. we did? Am I just now catching on that this is Peter Pan? Uh, you know, I'm just catching on to that now. So yeah, no, welcome. Um, I I had that like as I was saying it out loud, and I like flipped through a page, and turned. I was like. I think this is like I flipped to the page where he first shows up in her room and I'm like, I I think this is Peter Pan. Hold on. Everybody loves Peter Pan. Everybody does. Um, Um, You know what I, you know what I love about the art? And I, I love this. um, I mean, I I think it, it, not only the art, but it's a story, but you you had mentioned the art. So I want to talk about that specifically for a sec. Um, There is a sense of joy in it there is a sense of exploration and just of like this there it's just sweet it's it's really good art it's really solid art the coloring is beautiful um you know everybody it it's got a wonderful sense of storytelling but there's a real joy in it that i um the same way that there's a joy in the expression of the storytelling there's a joy in the expression of the characters um but yeah, I, I do love the art from this. I, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think my favorite thing is, uh, what page is this? Uh, 25. With the paneling. Um, in between, like behind the paneling, they put like these really pretty flowers in the back, which I guess I've just never noticed in a comic before when they do that. Like when there's like the dead space. I don't know what the dead space in between panels is called. I'm sure there's a fancy industry word for it. Um, Probably. Listeners, if you listen right now really quietly, like if you just hush real quick, you can hear Matthew Klein screaming it <laughs> from 8th Avenue to Manhattan. You can, uh, you can hear it just, just really faintly. I don't know what the word is, but you can, like, just listen. Um, but, like, I find that I've never even considered, like, oh, what goes in between the panels? Yeah. And like, um, it's so cool. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not about showing off. It's not about anything other than this oh. sort of the beauty of the moment. Um, yeah. Which I really love. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just looks, and it does a really great job. I think storytelling wise, like in the grander story, like it's in Nicodranas, which is like a much more like bohemian, free flowing, loving seaside community. Um, and I mean, like, I don't know what you would call the Ruby of the Sea, whether that is like, what, what would you call the profession of the Ruby of the Sea? Um, I would say either courtesan or consort, probably courtesan. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's so, it's such a cool storyline to have, like, you are the person raised by them, but like an entirely agoraphobic one, mm-hmm. which is, I think, particularly interesting as well. Like that's an interesting character choice. And um, yeah, I have always found it. And you get to see like a little bit of Jester growing up in this, which I always found fantastic. Cause she's like the youngest of the batch in the Mighty Nine out of all of the players in the Mighty Nine, not Laura Bailey, but Jester as a character is the youngest out of all of them. Okay. Um, and because Jester, I think when she joins the Mighty Nine is 18, 17, seven, I think she was like 17, 18-ish. It was never really defined. Okay. Um, 
And then you get to see her like rapidly grow up over like three pages. Um, yes. And it is, it's really fun to see that like, you know, Marion, the Ruby of the Sea, did not get much time in the campaign to actually have a story. Like she was much more like collateral to other events. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's nice to see like, you know, at the end of this comic when uh, she was like, no, I was like gathering evidence to bust his ass. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Hold on. Like, go ahead. See, now you've made me want a comic for all the NPCs. Like, I oh. want an anthology comic that has, like, Marion and Gilmore and Avantika. Come and, on, Soul. Uh, yeah, like, all of those. I'm trying to think of who else I would really want. Uh, uh, like, the, uh, the Bad Luck Bandits. Uh, Dagon from when they went up north. Yes, that would be good. We are nerding out here, everyone. Um, if you are a fan of Critical Role, you know exactly who we're talking about. If you're not, sorry. Oh, and the last one, of course, led by Essek. Of course, yes. I mean, come on. Who doesn't, who wouldn't want to see, because they would overlap. Like, who wouldn't want to see Essek and Gilmore? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're contemporaries of each other. Yeah. They're alive at the same time. And they must know of each other. Yeah. Um, Oh, it would be so good. It would be... Yeah. Anyways, um, Um, we can can nerd about this further on after we're done with this. Yes. Do you want to... Do you want to find for everyone PC versus NPC just for those who have sure. not played yeah, yeah. before? So PC is a player character. It is a character that a person at the table creates, um, usually outside of the dungeon master. Um, there are exceptions to that, but in general, it is, you know, you go to play Dungeons and Dragons, you have your character that is a PC, a player character. A non-player character is a character created by the dungeon master to inhabits the world outside of the player characters like your shopkeepers your random guards the king of the empire like all of those are non-player characters so a person at the table is not playing them per se yeah i just wanted to get a, a definition yeah. for people out yep. there no, so that it's way. a good it's a good uh good thing to do so that way just in case um i do think it's interesting and I think it was really smart to have Jester be the first character that they did one on because everyone else has such a tragic backstory. Yeah. Um, with the well, actually, Caduceus, I guess. Again, Caduceus uh, uh, okay. Fort's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fort had a lot going on there. Yeah, but he was just more pirate. Yeah. Um, but I no, we're just not going to hit like Bo and Caleb. Like that's our. You gotta, yeah, like, how do you, like, who do you throw in? But, like, you have, you've had Jester and Caleb. Who do you throw in next? Probably Ford. I would say, oh, yeah, well, Ford's coming out next, I think. Okay. Um, and then after Ford, I think I'd do Molly. And sure. then, and then Deucey, old, old Caduceus Clay. Uh-huh. Um, and then, it's either Ford's coming next or not. Um, Both... One's more tragic than the other. Well, yeah, right? I mean, not as brutal. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And then, yeah, Bo is, Bo is a difficult one too. I think Bose is weirdly the most relatable to people. Yeah. And so I think that's what makes her so difficult is like Mersh is very good at making characters. Like she got a lot of shit for campaign one with Keyleth. And I was like, Keyleth is so relatable. She's just a granola girl. Like, She's just a ditzy granola girl. I was like, do you know how many, like, that's totally fine. Like, please. Like, it makes it more relatable than, like, in comparison to, um, like, I can fly and I believe in God so much that he lets me shoot lasers from my hands. Yes, that's um, very true. And so, like, Keyleth just being like, oh, like, I, I'm just in nature. I like going on hikes. Um, is really good. And then Bo, there's nothing particularly magical about Bo. And like, that's kind of the fun about the monk in general. She just punches things real good. She's yeah. just basically Mike Tyson. <laughs> I think she's more like uh, Cassandra Kane Batgirl. <laughs> um, Marisha played Batgirl. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, I'll send it to you later. Okay. Um, um yeah. Yeah, I think all of this like I think I think what would be really cool is say you were like you wanted to get into critical role or I I don't think to get into D&D you don't have to watch critical role. I'd say if you wanted to become like a dungeon master, watching a show like Critical Role or The Adventure Zone or Dimension 20 um is a great way to learn the real flow of the game. But if you just like watching the game, like I do, and you want to get into Critical Role, I think it would be really cool to watch like campaign two, start with campaign two, go through one through 30 at your own pace. And then at that time, if all of all of the seven Mighty Nine, <laughs> all seven of the Mighty Nine stories are out, um, read all of those and then you get some backstory before and then you just get more informed as they really develop their characters. Cause I would say past episode 30, you get a lot of character development, like tons and tons and tons. Like the first 30 episodes are really spent like getting to know each other and playing the game. And then yeah. like, you get to see like the story comes out 30 ish. Um, so I think it would be really cool to read. I think these would be great to read alongside the campaign. Like you can pick one as you go through because mm -hmm. they're quick reads. And they're really yes. fun. And they're made by the, like, I mean, Matt and Laura are, you know, co-writers. Yeah. They do a great job. Um, I love the fact that um, Jester, uh, Jester kind of is expressing for, her mother through art, what is happening in the world that her mother is missing that she she's kind of, she can't really see. And I don't think um, they ever said that in the campaign. And it broke my heart when I read that in the, in the comic. Yes. It's, um, it, but it's, it's lovely. And again, it goes back to the joy in the art. You kind of see it both right. within the character and on the page itself. I think I'd find I, I think I would find it really interesting now with some perspective. I'd love to go through and like not rewatch the whole campaign, but like watch a lot of 
Jester's moments because like you said, there's so much joy and there's so much happiness in it. There's a section of the campaign where Jester is not happy and is just very concerned and like not depressed, but joy is not what I would say is Jester's prime emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think this watching, like what watching this, reading this and getting all that dimension really makes those moments more powerful too. Like, I think they just did a really good job of enhancing the world with this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it fleshes us out. I think it kind of going all the way back to one of the first questions we were asking, I think it does a better, I think it does a better job of fleshing out. I don't know that this is a book that people who are just getting into DD or get just getting into critical role would find interesting. What I do find interesting, and one of the things that if I ever had a chance to kind of sit down with all of them, like, you know, reading reading all of the Mighty Nine Origins. Oh, it was like sitting down with Critical Role. I was like... When they, <laughs> when they had them out. And, yeah. But sitting down with the people in Critical Role, because yeah. it's interesting because um, the only one who's sort of... I, there's only like two people that I've seen interviews with. One is Liam O'Brien, right? Um, because it's Liam O'Brien Liam, and yeah. Josh is my yep my inappropriate and yet completely wholesome love of Liam O'Brien. Yeah, absolutely. but it's interesting because I'm sorry, what I said, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> but he comes from sort of the kind of theater world background, and right. I know they all come from theater. But I'm sort of like, oh, you got into theater by reading Arthur Miller and Tennessee Williams and yeah. all these things because he, oh, his characters sort of always have these tragic things. Yeah. And I'd want to know, like, from Laura's perspective, from Travis's perspective, from Taliesin's perspective, from Sam's perspective, like, what got you into acting, what got you into theater? Because I'm like, right. I bet for you it was a comedy and I bet for you it was, you well, wanted to make people laugh and you want, Yeah. Taliesin, when you watch Taliesin, this can be your fun fact of the day for, for oh. this. Taliesin, when you, li- when you watch this, Taliesin is the grandson of David Axelrod. Um, oh, okay. And so his, he comes from a long lineage of like through like talkies mm-hmm. um, of theater and like old theater. So he is so steeped in like old theater, like classics. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, he grew up in Los Angeles with, old school actor family, like a long lineage back. So he's got this weird background in like exactly what it means to be weird and like classically trained. And mm-hmm. that's all of like, you can tell from his acting that it's like very old, like, and then of course, like Rocky Horror Picture Show is yeah. the, the majority of his, you could just tell it's a part of his essence, which I love so much. Um, but yeah, there's your there's your towel fact. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think it would be interesting to kind of be like, okay, who who got in through what, and how much of that reflects in their stories, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, their character stories. Well, and I want to. I I'm really curious, as I am with the TV show and these, like, how much of a hand Matt Mercer had in all of it, in like. I want, I just wonder how much he is playing a part in all of this. Like to me, it's either a big role or a massive role. Like, it's not like, it's not like, Oh, like I wonder how much Matt is participating in. Like 
oh, he's just like signing off on it and saying it's cool and he gets his co-writers. Like, no, he's either like largely involved or like is the dominant force in the creation of this world involved. Like uh, Matt Mercer does not half-ass things. Yeah. In the loveliest way possible. Yeah. I think this is, this almost might lead into a spinoff series of like, um, uh, like learning about DMing and GMing and yeah. role playing and all that, where people sort of go like, "Well, you know, how do how do you do it?" Because I know, because you know, obviously, I know how you took my backstory for the my right with the characters. Backstory I would be so curious to see how other people do it, like Ad- Adventuring Academy style with Brennan Lee Mulligan, like really, oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, c- yeah. It would be really interesting. Yeah, one day. One day we'll have those conversations. Um, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I'm sure they'll listen to this podcast and they'll be like, I want to get in touch with those two. Look, Very if that happens, John, we've got so many problems. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if someone from Critical Role was like, hey, want to chat? I, I would not be okay. Um, he would be okay. Oh, I would be he great. Would be okay. No, I would be over the moon, but I uh, I would pass away almost instantly. Um, just like my, in, like I would have to run out, like buy a little siren and set it off just like to text the group chat, like text you and other people were like, we've got a problem. <laughs> and I would simply finish the conversation and then go back to bed because I'd be like, the day is not going to get any better. I'm just going to end it here. Right. And just, yeah. 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 No, I'd have to take some NyQuil and like knock out or ZQuil, whatever the equivalent is, like the non whatever it is, but like take some melatonin. We're out. Like we're done. <laughs> we're done. We're taking a nap. Yeah. Um, so I do want you. So actually this is a question that I usually ask, but yeah. you, you are actually going to get to ask it because you recommended this one. Yes. And uh, I'm going to say good recommendation. Huh. This was, so, this, this was technically my recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was. Only the second time this has happened on a Conic Corner where someone has recommended something to Would me. Would you believe it? And I'm loving it. Um, so again, we talked about, well, we talked about a lot. We talked about Critical Role. We talked about yeah. D&D. We talked about um, uh, kind of everything. This gaming. episode's getting titled The Nerdathon. It, there you go. And believe me. It, just for anyone listening who's like, yeah, they did nerd out. Believe me, we can no, get we much nerdier. No, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, we're holding back. <laughs> we, we can get much nerdier. Yeah. Um, and we probably will as soon as we end this. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah, we'll yeah. continue The next two hours will bit. be filled with. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways. Yes. But uh, again, we talked about the Mighty Nine Origins, Jester Lavore, written by Sam Maggs with Laura Bailey and Matthew Mercer. Um, art by Hunter Severin Boyan, colors by Kathy Lee, letters by Ariana Mayer, um, put out by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, please support your local comic store. Go in, pick up a copy, um, learn about Critical Role, learn about D&D, and just frankly, read a really pretty and fun book. Um, if you do not know of your local comic store, go to comicshoplocator.com and do your zip code. It will give you uh, a comic shop in your area. Um, 
Thank you so much for joining us here on the Comics Corner. Thank you, Josh, for recommending such an amazing book. Thank you for reading it and indulging me. Uh, hey, anytime. That's what I'm here for. I love a good fantasy. Actually, remind me. I'll, I'll tell you of a couple of fantasy books that you might want to take a look at after, but we'll do it well, after. So yeah, later. Lead to another Comics Corner. Yeah. Um, but I want to thank you for joining us. Um, please come back and visit us often. We are always having fun and weird and bizarre shows on here. Things like Heidi and Nora Don't Know Nerd Things and um, uh, The Three Count, where Matthew Klein makes me watch wrestling. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure why. He said with so much enthusiasm. <laughs> Uh, if you want to hear me being really snarky, you should listen to one of those episodes. I try to be kind. I really try. They're my but... favorite sessions, mainly because I can see you and you're just holding it in. I can see it like it's in your eyes, like the pain. Like I can see you just really like hold on. It's a lot of things that I just don't get. But what I do get is love and enjoyment of D&D, comics, and critical role. So go and pick up The Mighty Nine, Jester Lavore. Uh, thank you for joining us. Be safe, be healthy, and don't be cruel.